your word this morning. We thank you, Lord. Your word is a light unto our feet, a, a lamp unto our path. We thank you, Lord God, that your word changes lives. That it is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it cuts, it divides, it opens up our hearts and our minds, Lord God, our intents, Lord. Your, it even says our bones and marrows, Lord God, so that you can pour into us the life-giving word of God. I ask, Lord God, that you would breathe on me, breathe through me. Lord, you would wear me like a glove, that you would be the substance of everything that's said and done today. And we promise to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen. Amen, amen. All right, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 23. We're really going to focus on one scripture, even though we're going to throw some scriptures on the um, on the overhead back here. Uh, this is a message I spoke about five years ago. And um, there's so many people here who are new. Can I tell you something? Uh, how many of you know that the Word of God can give you new revelation even though it's the same Word? You ever read the same scripture and got something new out of it? Well, let me tell you something. I just believe that God has something to speak to you today that is going to be a blessing to you. And so I just want you to open up your hearts, your, your, your minds right now, and just receive this. Um, as a pastor on staff, I've been getting a lot, lot of phone calls too from people who are just going through some tough things. Just some really tough things. They're going through attacks and just feeling like, you know, discouraged. Um, you know, one person said, man, every time I feel like I'm moving forward, I just feel like the enemy is attacking my family. And how many of you know that sometimes we walk through these valleys of difficulty and disappointment and discouragement? Anybody ever felt that? Amen. Uh, sometimes we go through suffering and sorrow and sickness. Um, you know, it, it doesn't even matter who you are. You can go through frustration and fatigue. You can go through times of failure. But today, what we're going to discover is how to have victory in the valley. Tell the person beside you, you're going to find out how to have victory in your valley. Amen. Now, Psalm 23 was written by David. And the thing about David is, David is a shepherd. So we know this as the, the, the psalm about the shepherd. But this, this key verse that we're looking at is this key verse about the valley. And if there's anybody who knew about valleys, it's David. I don't know if you realize this, but David was a man after God's heart. But he had some serious valleys that you and I wouldn't want to go through. Hello? Like, like David, for example, David's child died after only a few days of living. David's boss was persecuting him. Not like your boss is persecuting you. Like, you know, that you kind of feel like your supervisor is persecuting you because they said some stuff. No, David's boss was throwing spears at him. David's boss was trying to kill him, literally. Not get him to lose his job. Somebody say kill. And guess what? His boss had the authority to kill him too. So it wasn't even like the police was going to arrest his boss. David's boss was hunting him down. David was a fugitive for years. David, this guy who's after God's own heart, David's son grows up and betrays him. David knew what valleys were all about. And so we pick up the story in Psalm 23 in verse 1. It says, how does it start? The Lord is my... Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. I love this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And here's our key verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, in order to get victory in the valley, there are some things you need to understand about valleys. You have to understand the nature of valleys. You have to understand principles about that. There are some valley principles that you need to know. So I'm going to tell you five facts about valleys that maybe you knew, but maybe you didn't know. Okay, five facts about valleys. Number one, valleys are inevitable. Tell the person beside you, valleys are inevitable. Yeah, valleys are inevitable. What does that mean? It means either you just came out of a valley, you're in a valley, or you're going to be in a valley not too long from now. That's just the truth. You say, what kind of good news is that? No, it's not about good news. Here's it. This is about facts, not about news. This is not, you know, about... This is facts. The facts of life are that you are going to have valleys in your life. That's just life. You know why? Because we are living on earth. We haven't gotten to heaven as yet. In heaven, there are no valleys. But on earth, we're full of valleys right down here. Valleys are a part of life. There is no one who is immune from valleys. In fact, John 16, 33. Here's a scripture you can write on and put on your fridge. These things, Jesus says, what things? These promises. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now why does Jesus say, hey, you're going to need peace? Here's why. Here's the next verse. For in this world you will have what? Oh, come on now. He doesn't say, hey, in this world, you might have tribulation. He says, you what? You will. You will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. And here, here's what he goes on. But be of good cheer. Why? For I have overcome the world. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. As long as you stick with me, kid, you're good. As long as you and I are hanging out together, you will overcome as well. So I'm giving you all these promises so that you will know that when times get rough, you can have peace because I'm with you. You can know that, listen, it's going to happen. But just because it happens doesn't mean it has to defeat you. You see, a lot of times we beat up ourselves when we're in the valley. And we say, why me? What did I do? Maybe God is getting back at me. Anybody ever felt that before? Come on, let's, let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, we've felt that before. But can I tell you something? It's not about you. Here's what's going on. As long as you're alive, you're going to pass through some valleys. I have a little children's story that we read um, to Cyan. And it's called, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And we're going on a bear hunt. And, and it says this, um, uh, Oh no, here's some mud. I can't go around it. I can't go over it. I have to go through it. And so they go, squelch, 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 through the mud. And then they say, hey, there's the forest. We can't go around it. We can't go over it. We have to go through it. So they go, stumble trip, stumble trip, stumble trip. All on their way to fight. Can I tell you something? You can't go around the valleys. You can't go over the valleys. You have to go. You got to go through the valleys. No life is worth living if we avoid all the pain. Oh boy, I know, I shouldn't have said that. So we're going to move on real quick. Let me tell you something. Everyone has valleys, but not everyone has victory. And today, what we're teaching you is how to have, oh, how to have victory. How to have victory. Here's point number two. Five facts about valleys. 
Fact number two, valleys are unpredictable. Somebody say valleys are unpredictable. What does that mean? It means no one ever had a good day to have a valley. No one ever said, man, this is the perfect day for me to have a flat tire right here. Nobody says that. Man, I am so glad I got sick today because there is no other day I'd prefer to have gotten sick than today. Nobody says that. Every single time you have a valley, it's inconvenient because it's unpredictable. We don't plan them. We don't schedule them. We can't say, hey, you know what? Hey, if I'm going to have a valley, spring break. No, not spring break. Let me, let me move on. No, we don't do that. We never want valleys. Nobody ever wants them. We don't plan around them. Guess what? They're unpredictable. In fact, here's what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 9. It says this, people can never predict when hard times might come. You just can't do it. In fact, Pastor Edmund was, was, was saying that uh, he was in the car praying to God. And he said, God, I don't need another funeral right now. And 10 minutes later, he got the call that brother said had died. I wouldn't say that's good, but I understand what you're saying, sister. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Here's what, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. They're unpredictable. You don't know when they're going to come. Here, here's, here's how Ecclesiastes goes on. It says, like a fish in a net or birds in a snare, people are often caught by sudden tragedy. You see, David said, I was lying down by green pastures. I was sitting by still waters. I was being anointed on my head. I was being led, and all of a sudden, I'm in a valley. All of a sudden, I found my place, myself in a place I didn't want to be in. You see, the God who was with you in the grass is also with you in the gully. I'm going to say it again. The God who was with you in the grass is also with you in the gully. We can't trust Him to take us by still waters and not trust Him to take us through the valley. We can't say, hey God, I love you because you've given me some grass, but now I'm in this place. Oh God, I don't know if you're with me anymore. The same shepherd who leads you beside the stillness also leads you through the suffering. We've got to trust him the same way. We've got to believe that if he's able to do that, he's also able to take me through this. You see, that valley may shock you, but it didn't surprise God. God already knew the valley was coming while you were in the green pastures. While you were lying down and enjoying yourself, God knew what was coming up ahead. Because you see, you're a sheep. You know what sheep do? Sheep do this. That's all sheep do. Sheep just look at the next grass that they can eat. What's the shepherd doing? The shepherd is doing this. The shepherd is seeing way ahead of the sheep. Because the sheep can only see as far as his nose. That's why so many times when things look good, we're all, all we're excited about Jesus. But when things look bad, all we can see is down. And we go, wait, there's no grass here. Oh God, oh God, Master. oh my. And that's how we're thinking. Instead, God is saying, don't you say, I can see what you can't see. You've got to trust me. 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 I can see it. I can see it. They're unpredictable. The key to your victory is to know that God has not changed even if your circumstances have. Here's the third fact about valleys. Valleys are impartial. Valleys are impartial. In other words, no one is immune to them. Everyone has problems. Good, bad, and ugly. Turn to the person beside you and say, Are you good, bad, ugly? 
You know, you, you, know what, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said one time to his disciples, he said this. Jesus said, it rains on the just and on the unjust. Or as Michael Jackson would say, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It just don't matter who you are. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter. Look, it, you could be the pastor. And there are valleys you're going to go through. Are you with me? You could be the highest, the lowest, the, in the middle somewhere. It don't really matter who you are. You have valleys. And here's the thing. The reason why sometimes we feel we're the only ones going through the valleys is because, have you ever seen on TV, any, any of you ever watch like, um, you know, those previews of movies? Anybody ever watch a preview of a movie? And when you get to the movie, the preview was more exciting than the movie itself? And when you watch a movie, you're like, I can't even believe I spent my money on this movie. Man, the preview looks so good. Anybody ever do that? Well, let me tell you something. That's how it is in church. When you come to church, you're you looking at all of your movie and you're comparing it to somebody's highlight reels. And what's happening is this. Their highlights look better than your full feature film. And because it looks so good, you think they haven't been through anything. But can I tell you something? They're doing the same to you. And so everybody walks in church and thinking, I'm the only one going through. Can I tell you something? Valleys are not impartial. The person beside you has gone through some valleys too. And you don't even want to exchange your valleys for theirs. Because you don't know if you can handle theirs. Valleys are impartial. And sometimes we think it's because we did something wrong, but not necessarily. Because look at this. Jesus did nothing wrong, but look what he went through. And the enemy has a way of trying to let us feel like, oh, it's because you did this two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Let me tell you something. Jesus took the punishment for your sin, so you don't have to take it anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's what 1 Peter 4 12 says. I love this. Listen to this. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may be also glad and exceedingly joyful. Here's what it says in the message. Friends, when life gets really difficult... Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Oh, I love that right there. Oh, I love that right there. Man, when things get tough, don't conclude, God must have left me alone. God must, not, God must be ignoring me. Man, I hear people saying, I don't know if God is really worth I pray and I pray and I pray. Can I tell you something? When you're in a difficult time, don't jump to that conclusion. Here's, here's what you need to do. Be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. The disciples, when they were preaching about Jesus, they got whipped. And a normal person would say, oh Lord, I can't believe I got whipped. You know what they did? They said, guess what? I am so excited that we were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. They got excited about their suffering because they could identify with Christ. It's not your valley that will kill you. It's your response to the valley that will kill you. I need you to hear me this morning. Because some of you are right in the middle of it. And your response needs to shift 
because you think you're the only one. And you think no one else will understand. Can I tell you something? God is with you in the valley. You're not the only one. And God has a way out for you. Number four. Fourth fact about the valley. Valleys are temporary. Say it with me. Valleys are, tempor valleys are temporary. What does that mean? They're not here to last. They've come to pass. I'll say it again. They're not here to last. They've come to pass. Do not set up your permanent address in a temporary situation. Do not set up a permanent address in a place called valley. I know some of you live in Valley Ridge and this valley and that valley. Let me tell you something. In your life, do not set up a home in a valley. Are you with me? The valley was never meant to be your permanent residence. But here, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says it this way. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Someone said moment. It's a, for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Valleys are all meant to be short term. So don't extend it. He said, Pastor, how can I extend it? You extend it when you use your valley to define who you are. Man, how are you? Well, you know, I got divorced. Man, how are you? Well, you know, I was abused as a child. Man, how are you doing? Well, you know me and that. Listen, when you take your problem and you use your problem to define you, then you extend the, the time of your valley. You can't focus on the problem. You've got to focus on God's power. All right, let me say it another way. Your valley shouldn't define you. Your victory in the valley should define you. Uh, how are you? Oh, you remember I was divorced? God has healed me since then. And now I am healthy and strong. And I'm ready again. Okay, come on now. Right? You remember I was sick? Well, guess what? God came through. Because by His stripes, I'm healed. You know what? God is working on me. I'm not through it all yet. But I see Him making me stronger and stronger every day. Oh, my gosh. You don't understand. I, I used to smoke four packs. But now I'm down to three. I'm telling you so. I'm getting... I'm getting better. What's defining me? Where I'm going, not where I was. What's defining me? My, my victory, not my valley. What's defining me? Who God is, not who I am. Come on now. I've got to be defined by what God is doing in my life. But so many of our, so many of our cultures all about what's wrong and that defines I mean, even our, even our love songs. Come on now. I can't live if living is without you. How can I breathe without you? I want to know. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? We, we, we take all these love songs and we turn them into these mantras of I am who I am because of who I was with. Oh, you complete me. Come on now. You know, you, you don't know who I used to be. I remember when, and we hold on to these images of the past, and what we do is we build up a dwelling place in the middle of the valley because we want everyone to then see our crutch so that we can have an excuse for why we won't achieve the next place in our lives that God has called us to. And when people challenge us and say, hey, how come you don't, why don't you come up higher? He said, because you don't know what I've been through. And we use the valley as our, are you hearing me this morning? Don't let your valley define you. 
Don't let your valley define you. So valleys are temporary. Valleys are temporary. And when you praise God in the middle of your valley, you shorten its, its length and you soften its sting. I'll say that again. When you praise God in the middle of your valley, you shorten its length and you soften its sting. So praise Him, in, praise him for the victory. And let the victory define you, not the valley. Amen? So valleys are temporary. Here's, here's the fifth thing. Valleys are purposeful. Somebody say valleys are purposeful. Purposeful. That, what, what does that mean? It means that every problem has a purpose and has the potential to become a platform for your preaching. Okay, that's a mouthful. Someone say it again. Every problem has a purpose and has the potential to become the platform for your preaching. Romans 8 says this, 28 says this. For we know that all things, someone say all things. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purposes. That means this, that God will take every aspect of your life, everything that has happened, good and bad, He'll take everything that has happened and He'll work it together for good in your life. But... If we look at the bad in our lives and we're ashamed of them, then they'll never get used for His glory. I said, what do you mean? It means that the thing that you're most ashamed of is probably the thing that He will use most to bless somebody else who is going through the same thing at some point in their lives. In other words, he said to Peter this. He said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Then here's what he said. But when you are strengthened, when you have come through it, go back and strengthen your brethren. Here's what he's saying to Peter. Peter, Satan is going to attack you. But I've covered you in prayer, so you're going to make it. The valley won't crush you. But when you come through the valley, you're going to have some others who are going to go through the valley too. And you've got to turn back and help them through. You can't do that if you won't allow God to touch it. You can't do that if you keep covering it. You can't do that if you don't allow God to use it for His glory. So Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter. Here's what he said. Verse, 1 Peter verse, um, chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. He says, so if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials. He's talking about himself right here. If your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The purpose of your valley is to build your faith. Use your valley to build your faith. Use your valley to build your faith. We have a, um, we have a true group called Body Builders, true group for men. I was thinking of joining myself. What do you think? Be careful how you answer that question right there. <laughs> but here's one of the things I found out from these guys. I found out, <laughs> this is so surprising, I found out that you cannot build muscles if you sit down on the couch watching TV all day. Phew, surprise, surprise. I found out that the way to build muscles is to put the muscle under some stress. Somebody says stress. Stress. This is great that you have some green pastures to lie down in. And it's great that you have some still waters to lie down by. Are you with me? But your faith won't grow until you go through the valley. It is the stress of the valley that builds your faith. It is not the relaxation of the green pastures. 
is not the rest of the still waters. You need the rest, but guess what? You need the stress too. I know you don't, I don't, we're too stressed. You're too blessed to be stressed. I get it. I understand that, okay? I understand. We're too blessed to be stressed. No, no. You need some stress or else you can't grow. Nobody, go, my children go to school and they have a stress called exams. Do you know they ain't growing unless they go through the exam? They have a stress called homework. Listen, my daughter, Cyan, thinks that life should be about going to school and having recess all day long. You don't grow at recess. Some of y'all looking at me like, man, I don't want no stress. I'm sorry you don't want it, but guess what? If you use it right, if you see the purpose of it, it will never crush you. It will only cause you to be built up. Let me tell you something. It won't kill you. It will build you. You've got to know that this thing is going to make you stronger and better and able to do the next level of your ministry. Amen? Amen. God didn't cause it, but he'll use it if you let him. God didn't cause it, but he'll use it if you let him. All right, so how do we overcome? How do we have victory in the valley? Three things, and then we're done. Uh, David says this. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there are three things he does. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. That's the first one. Then he says, uh, for you are with me. That's the second one. And the third thing he says is, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil. Number one, refuse to be discouraged. Refuse, tell the person beside you, refuse to be discouraged. David said this, I will fear no evil. Somebody said will. He said this is the same word he uses when he said, this is the day the Lord has made and I, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Here, here's another one. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue. In other words, here's what David is saying. I am making a choice not to fear evil. Just like I make a choice to bless the Lord, I'm making a choice not to be discouraged. I'm making a choice not to allow my situation to determine my attitude. Come on. I'm making a choice to make sure that what I'm going through will not determine how I praise God. I am making a choice. If you walked into church this morning discouraged, I'm telling you this. You chose discouragement. But you don't know what I'm going through. I know. I don't know. But he says, I will. It's a choice. You see, let me tell you something. Um, you choose to be discouraged when you focus on the problem rather than God's power. The, you know, David called this the valley of the shadow of death. The only way that you can have a shadow. I'm going to show you. You see, I have some shadows up here. I have some shadows up here. Can I tell you a couple of things about my shadow? My shadow looks bigger than me. Okay. Let me try it on this side. My shadow, <laughs> my shadow looks bigger than me. You know what that means? It means this, that the shadow always looks bigger than the reality. You're going through the valley. The valley looks darker than it really is. <laughs> You see, the valley, look, the valley, the shadow of the mountain is bigger than the mountain really is. Sometimes it's just a little hill, but because the shadow casts about it looks so long, we think it's a huge thing. The shadow is a misrepresentation of the real thing. Man, I, got, I need some help up in here. 
But here, here's the other thing that you need to know about shadows. You cannot have a shadow unless you have some light. Shadows don't exist without a source of light. The reason I have shadows is because these lights up here. I can choose to focus on my shadow or I can turn my eyes to the... Oh my God. In the middle of your valley, you can choose to look at the shadow or look at the light. It's up to you. You make the choice. You've got to choose. Am I going to look at the sun? Oh Lord. Or am I going to look at the problems that I'm going through? The writer of Hebrews says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. In other words, here's what he said. Jesus went through the worst of all valleys. Keep your eyes fixed on him because he overcame, you can overcome too. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands and give God some praise. You say, well, you know what, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You've never been through what I've been through. Can I tell you something? You don't know my valleys. I don't know your valleys. I don't know your valleys. But can I tell you something? My, val- my valleys look something like this. When I was 17, my mom overdosed on cocaine. And when that happened, guess what? I praised God. Me and my little sister holed up in a little room up in this place. It's at, at a friend's house, not even our house. And we were praising God in the middle of the news that my mother had just overdosed on cocaine and was rushed to the hospital. And you know what? We thought, hey, now that we praise God, and she got out of the hospital, things were going to get better. Hallelujah. Guess what? Two weeks later, three, I don't remember, just a short time later, guess what? She was imprisoned because they raided her house and, and, and uh, found her in possession of crack cocaine. I'm 17, 18 years old at the time. Let me tell you something. That's a valley. And, I'm the, and, and you know what? Here it is. No, no, none of the parents believe in Jesus. No, no, nobody. It's just me and little Sarah. Okay? So she gets out of prison and she gets saved. I mean, she gets saved and you're rejoicing. No, because this is it. Hallelujah. She got saved. And then I'm 21 years old, 22 years old, when I get a phone call, I'm, I'm studying in Canada, I get a phone call, your mother was murdered last night, or this morning. Your mother was murdered this morning. That's how the phone call went. That's a valley. But what's the response to the valley? God, I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you, Lord God, that she got saved before she died. I thank you, Lord God, she could have been in hell today, but instead she's rejoicing in you. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you are... Listen, you've got to find purpose to look at the light and to worship Him. You've got to say, hey, the valley is not as bad as it seems because God is better than the valley. I tell, I tell my kids all the time, life is tough, but God is good. Because one of the things that I realize is that Christians don't know how to suffer well. I'm telling somebody in here right now. 
Every single hero you look at in the Bible, the reason why they became heroes is because they suffered well. Joseph suffered well. David suffered well. Daniel suffered well. They suffered and that's why there are heroes. We cannot become trophies in the hand of God unless we go through some suffering. It is normal, but God is good and better than anything we could ever go through. Stick with it. Don't give up. Press through because he's going to take you through the whole way. Don't give up. Here's the second thing he says. He says, I remember, remember that God is with me. He says, thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they come. He says, you are with me. He remembered that God was with him. And, and what's important about this is that, you know, there's an Old Testament name for God. And it says, um, it's Jehovah Shammah. It says, I am there. I am there. Someone say, I am there. And here's what, here's what that means. You ever been to, you ever driving to somewhere where you're supposed to meet somebody, and when you're driving there, the person texts you and they said, I am, I'm here. You ever, you ever seen that? And you're running late. And so they text you and you get the text and it says, I'm here. Okay, here, here's what it means. It means they got there before you got there. That's just, it's so simple. God is texting you today saying, I'm already here. Before you got to your valley, he was in it. Before you reached the place of discouragement, he was already there. He prepared for you before you got there. It didn't take him by surprise. He's saying, guess what? I'm here with you and I'm going to walk with you the whole way through. If you would just recognize when you're heading in there, hey, God is here. God is here. So that when you're walking, you go, I'm not alone. David said, I know my shepherd. He's never left me nor forsaken me. He's not, I'm not alone. I'm going through this, but I'm going through this with him. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you walk through the waters, I'll be there. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fire, the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. He doesn't say if you do it. He says when you do it. Because we're all going to go through it. When you do it, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. But look at something else in uh, verse 4. And maybe you never saw this before. But verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then verse 2 says this, uh, he makes me. And then verse 3 says, he, he guides me, he leads me. Well, here, verse 4, there's a strategic change in the language. And now the psalmist, David, doesn't say he anymore. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come. Here's what happens. You see, in, in, the, uh, by, in, in, the, in the field, by the river, it was easy to talk about God as the third person. It's easy to talk about Him in the third person. Hey, let me tell you about what God did. Let me tell you what, what God did. But when you're in the valley, you don't want to talk about God. You want to talk to God. You stop talking about who he is and you don't start drawing close to him. Because now in the valley, God, guess what? It's not about what you did. It's not about who you were. It's not about what happened in the past. Right now, God, it's about me and you and nobody else. I am coming to you because in the valley, I need to know that you are with me right now. It's no longer about he. It's now about you. 
In the valley is the time of intimacy. The valley is the time of drawing close. The valley is the time of pressing in. The valley is the time of prayer, of praise, of worship, of honor, of one-on-one. -on -one. The valley is the time that we get close to God. Don't allow your valley to draw you away from Him. Allow it to push you closer to Jesus. You're with me. You're with me. The third thing you got to do is this. You got to rely on God's deliverance and direction. Psalm 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The rod and the staff are the things that David talks about. And rod and staff are not the same thing. It's not a rod like it's not the, you know, the rod staff. It's the rod and the staff. In fact, never, you know, among shepherds, never bring a rod to a staff meeting. Bad joke. That was a bad joke, right? Where's, where's the goat? Did you? All right. So, the rod, here's the rod. The rod is a stick with a, 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 a big knob on the end. And the reason that they used that was it's a very heavy stick. They carried it in their belt. But they used it to beat off predators. So when David said that he took on the bear on the land, it was probably the rod that he used to take them on. Because that's a part of their natural, their thing. They, they walk around with this rod. And they use it to protect the sheep from predators. Are you with me? So the rod is for the enemy. And so when you're going through the valley, sometimes you can feel vulnerable and you can feel like the enemy has all kind of manner of attack on you. But here's what the Lord does. The Lord says, I will fight your battles for you. Allow me to take care of it. Hallelujah. Because he has a rod with the enemy's name on it. He's going to beat him over the head. But then the, the, the staff, the staff is different. The staff is the thing that looks like little bow peep, you know, like the big one with a, with a hook, Right? One that they're going to use on me soon if I don't come off the stage. Right? So here's, here's the staff. The staff was used for when the sheep started to go astray. They would take the staff and put around the sheep's neck and pull the sheep close to the shepherd. In other words, here's what happens. In the valley, we have a tendency to get off track. It's in the valley that we have a tendency to say, well, I don't want to go to church no more. I'm not feeling good. It's in the valley that we say, well, I don't want to read the word anymore. It's in the valley that we say, you know what, I can't even be bothered to pray because it's not working. Come on now, somebody help me out here. It's in the valley that we decide that we don't want to go to true group and we don't want anybody to know what's going on. And if people ask me questions and I don't want them to tell, so you know what, I might as well just avoid everybody altogether. It's in the valley that we decide, hey, you know what, um, maybe I need to um, just watch TV instead of go to church. Come on, somebody help me here. Because it's in the valley that we start to go off track from what Jesus has really called us to. And we don't realize that that when we were walking beside him, that we were experiencing his goodness and his mercy. And it was following us all the days of our life. But now that we're in the valley, we want to stray away. And he will use his staff and pull us close. And here's what he's saying in the valley. I want you to learn me. I want you to know me. I want you to grow close to me in the valley. You see, for you and I, here's what's happening. When we're in the valley, God wants us closest to Him. Because it's then that we need Him the most. Hallelujah. 
So if you're going through a valley today, can I tell you something? God is fighting on your behalf, but he wants you right up beside him. He's saying, listen, don't stop going to church. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop worship. Don't stop reading. Don't stop doing the things you know that you need to do. Because I am with you. You are not alone. And I'm going to take you through this if you just put your trust in me. Hallelujah. How many of you are blessed this morning by that word? All right, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. You know, as a Christian has this hope. And the hope goes like this. When I walk through the valley, I fear no evil because God is with me. But if you don't know Jesus, here's the problem. When you go through the valley, you have no choice but to fear evil. Because you don't know where God is. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to know that Jesus is your shepherd. I want to give you the opportunity to make him your shepherd, to make him the one who is leading you, guiding you, beside you. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, if you're if you're someone who you don't know if you die tonight, if you